and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. This week, Kate and I were chatting. We were wondering who actually listens to our lovely little pod. We were wondering how many of you have listened from the very first episode and how many of you have joined us along the way. We thought it might be fun to play our very first episode. Kate and I interview each other. We talk about what we did before we became copywriters, um, how long we've been copywriters, and we also even admit to a writer's fetish. We hope you enjoy this walk down memory lane. As you heard in the little intro there, this podcast is all about helping you become a better copywriter. Whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned and jaded professional, you'll be able to listen in on the secrets of successful copywriters. So that's what we're about. What about the hosts? Now I'm going to start off by interviewing Ms. Kate Toon. So Kate, can you briefly give us a little bit of a background? What's your business? How long have you been a copywriter? And is there an interesting beginning to your life as a copywriter? I can answer all those questions. This is so exciting. I am a copywriter based in Sydney. and I've been out on my own for about six years. Uh, I kind of started out studying at uni. I did English and history. That's not particularly interesting, but I really wanted to be a journalist. So I wrote for the university paper and interviewed lots of bands and did a few interns for big music magazines. But unfortunately, I spent a lot of money at university and I had a big debt. So when I left, I had to get a real job, which is a shame, isn't it? Yeah, always a shame. Always a shame. So I started off in events publishing and then I moved on to be like a personal assistant, which is a hideous job, but it made me learn how to type. So that was good. And then I worked in events and the first job, big job I did was building a website way back in 1997 when websites were like new to the universe. It was kind of exciting. And from doing that website, I managed to score a job in a digital agency and I spent Basically, the next 10 or so years working as a producer in big agencies like Ogilvy, AKQA, Mercibel. That's pretty impressive. I have to jump in there. (laughs) I know. It's just amazing. It sounds a lot better than it probably was. But when I was at Ogilvy, I decided I couldn't stand being a producer anymore. So I had a brief stint as a copywriter and I got to work on a lot of big brands like IBM and Qantas, Telstra, Commonwealth Bank. Um, And it was that was really my training grounds. I had a really good creative director called Matt Rochford and he taught me lots of tricks of the trade. But I went back to producing because the money was a lot better. Um, Okay, hang on. I'm going to jump in here. So what is this producing you speak of? Is this agency jargon? It's not. It's Well, it's kind of, you probably understand what a producer is in television terms and it's just the same thing. Producers are kind of in charge of budgets, timelines, planning the project project and managing the resources, one of which is a copywriter, but also maybe a designer or a developer. So a producer is kind of like a project manager. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) So while I was producing, I kept going with my copywriting. I did some things on the side, but I didn't really start my copywriting business until I got pregnant. Um, I was contracting, so there was no chance of maternity leave. And I knew that I didn't want to have a full-time job and to have a baby, which was really the only option at the time because I was like general manager. So it was there was no way I could do that like one day a week. So I packed it all in. And I started my own business when I was six months pregnant. 
And the first year was interesting to say the least. That's, that's an intense time with just yeah. doing one of those things. So, I have a lot of respect for you for doing both at the same time. Thank you, darling. <laughs> so, I think there's going to be a lot of parallels between our stories, um, yeah. which we'll obviously talk about a bit later. But what was your first, very first copywriting project as Kate Ching copywriter on your own? On my own, it was writing copy for a client called Isabella Oliver, who were just starting out. And if you Google them now, they're kind of huge. They're a maternity wear company and people like Gwyneth Paltrow and things wear their brands. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were just starting out. So I wrote all their brand copy, their tagline, their website, their labels. And I was so new to it. I think I charged them something like £10 an hour, which is like $20 or $30 back then. <laughs> But I didn't know, but it was great. It was such a great brand to work on, and I'm very proud of that job. Awesome. That's a nice start. Mm. So now, what do you love most about being a copywriter? I guess if I'm honest, often these days I sometimes forget that I love it, um, and I'm, I'm a bit of a whinger. You might have noticed if you follow me on any of my social media, I do like a whinge. But I guess I love finding clever things to say. I like the, the cleverness of copywriting, coming up with a really cool way of expressing something. And from a business point of view, like running a copywriting business, I, I mean, it has to be the freedom. Do you agree? I mean, I love setting my hours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just being able to follow my own crazy ideas and start a project, put my energies into it, and then if it doesn't work, well, fine. That's my responsibility. So I like just being able to, like being the captain of my own ship, as it were. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. I find it quite addictive as well. I don't know if I could go back to follow someone else's work schedule. Yeah, I always struggled taking orders from anybody, so uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I could do that again. So the next question I have is about about any writer's fetish you might have. And what I mean by this is do you collect any kind of writery things or or maybe do you follow the same weird process before you start writing, you know, tap your keyboard three times or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't really have any fetishes. Or if I do, I'm not aware of them. I probably have heaps of them. But since I work on my own in a little hut in my back garden, nobody knows, nobody sees. But the only thing I do think is essential for me is I have a big jar of aniseed balls on my desk. Do you know what aniseed balls are? Do they yes, quite frankly, I'm disgusted. <laughs> I'm glad because that means it's a real fetish. That You have to be slightly weirded out by other people's fetishes. So I do suck on them when I'm stuck on an idea. That's my fetish. Actually, I can't wait to ask you about yours. I hope yours is better than mine. Well, you'll find out. You'll find out. <laughs> Okay, so I have one more question and that's, you know, a lot of people follow you on social media and one of the things I love about your social media profiles is you're very transparent about yourself and your day, but I'd love you to share something that listeners might be surprised to learn about you. Okay, I really struggle with this question because I don't know if what I'm going to say is going to be too weird. So I'll go with something fairly normal, which is to say that I did actually give all the world of advertising and copywriting up for a while and I trained to be a professional masseuse Um, and that was interesting. I I did that for four or five months but it was really hard work and I kind of hoped that all my clients would look like Aidan Turner from Poldark. (laughs) (laughs) Instead they were like just old people with really bad skin conditions and it was it was kind of gross and I realized I'm just not loving enough to be a masseuse. You have to give 
too much of yourself. So I went back to writing. That That is really amazing. I could never <laughs> imagine... <laughs> Did you know that? I've never told you that story. No, no, you haven't. And just quickly, I mean, I don't know if you're going to ask me that same question, but I actually trained as a tap dancing teacher. Oh, my goodness. As a, like as a backup. Or like a long time ago? A long time ago. I figured if it all turned to pants, um, <laughs> any of my careers, I could go back to tap dancing. So, okay, you know. Next time we see each other, you tap and I'll give you a shoulder rub. Okay? I think that's a date. That's going to be a weird date. But let's do okay, it. Well, look, it's, it's my turn now. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you the exact same questions because that would oh, be good. boring uh, and people would think I was copying you. So let me start with, and maybe you've already answered this a bit, but what did you do before you were a copywriter and why did you decide being a copywriter was the career for you? Well, when I mentioned we have some parallels, it's that um, – I have a bit of a windy, turny career path as well because I actually graduated from uni with an IT degree and I worked in information technology for nearly 10 years. I was a programmer, a software tester, a systems analyst, super geeky in a bank um, and I don't think I was terribly well suited because I really didn't like it very much. So, when I got the opportunity to kind of leap into marketing, I grabbed it with both hands and, you know, the marketers always look like they're having such a good time doing their job. And I think because I'd been through many years of not enjoying my job, I really, really tried my best to be a great marketer. And I really, really probably found something that I should have been doing all along. But I think I became a better marketer because of the history I I had of lots of jobs that I didn't particularly like. And then, well, it's the copywriting, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm writing marketing, I'm writing copy every day as part of my marketing jobs. And and I really, really enjoyed it. But I didn't realize it was a thing you could actually do until I went to a sales day presentation and there was a lady there talking about copywriting. And at that time, I was really open to this opportunity of starting my own business because I was starting to make some hard decisions about starting a family. And as you mentioned, you kind of can't really have a corporate career and have a small baby. So I was starting to think about these kind of things. And I found that this idea of being a full-time freelance copywriter extremely appealing. So I just kind of quietly registered my business, Copyright Matters, on the side. And I started promoting myself. I started working weekends. And after six months, I was replacing my marketing salary. So so I, I kind of left the, the day job, cubicle, and went full-time with Copyright Matters. And it's been the best career move I've ever made. Oh, that's great. Uh, do you think that you transferred any sort of skills from your old job to your new job? I would say choosing a work soundtrack, making an awesome cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> but no. But, you know, all the marketing stuff, you know, like understanding target audiences, using different tones of voice, figuring out how to drive action, especially for industries that I had no personal interest in. Like, you know, I was a marketing um, uh, manager for a software company for the timber industry, like, you know, super dry stuff. So, to have to figure out how to create um, strategies and campaigns that would drive some action. You know, they're the kind of skills that I use every day as a copywriter. Just randomly, um, it's something I actually don't know about you. When did you actually start being a copywriter? How old were you? How You don't ask a woman her age, Kate Toon. Oh, don't be silly. 
I was, I mean, I went full time as a copywriter with Copyright Matters in 2009. So, you know, 30, early 30s? Yeah. So I was 34. Okay, so yeah. a little later than you. Yeah. Interesting. Um, anyway, back to my questions. I want to ask you, which copywriting project that you've worked on are you most proud of? Now, now I've been asked this before and, you know, it's very easy to give those lame answers like, I'm proud of all the work that I do. Um, but, you know, I'm actually really in awe of those kind of big name brands that you've got in, you know, on your website. Super envious. So, I'm I'm proud of working with big brands like Kimberly Clark and I Can Quit New South Wales. But to be honest, most of my copywriting clients have been a lot smaller and not with that kind of uh, reputation behind them. I've always been proud of copywriting projects where the owner of a business has wanted to do something bold. That I find that really exciting and really enjoyable to write. So when a client has asked for a unique voice and that's actually what they've wanted, you know, marketing that really stands out and they've had that courage, they've been my favourite projects. I could not agree more. You know, although I have those big brands on my website and no disrespect to them, they're not necessarily my favourites. My favourite is a client called Wovi, who's quite small, and it's for exact same reason, bold marketing, unique voice, and I just loved working on that. But anyway, these are your questions, not mine. My next question for you is, why did you decide to move away from actually writing copy and into copywriting training? Okay, so... For anyone listening who doesn't know, um, I'm now in the education business. I'm teaching people how to become great copywriters with, you know, from the foundation skills right through to kind of running the business side of things. And I made that change basically because I had a kid. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. I had to make some really tough decisions about how I spent my limited time because I was working during nap times. And the whole motivation or one of the motivations of, of being a freelancer was to make sure I was around for all these special moments of, of my daughter growing up. So I had to make some tough decisions about who I was spending my time with and how I was spending that time. So I find the process of teaching and coaching incredibly rewarding. So that was a really uh, clear indication for me. That's how I wanted to spend my time. So, so that's really the big push. Well, that's really interesting because although I am still, you know, mainly being a copywriter, that's my bread and butter, I do do some uh, training on the side, not not to the degree that you do, but, you know, I've got a few uh, modules up on, on, on my uh, training site and I'm running this SEO course. Um, and I just think it's interesting to have that other dimension to your career, you know, to be able to pass on what you've learned. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many... Um, new copywriters are joining the field. I think there's plenty of work for everyone. That's something you and I have talked about a lot. And I think we'll have this, cover this in a podcast coming up, this idea of cooperating and, and that there's plenty of work. But passing on what we've learned over the five, six, seven years we've been in business can really, really help people. Absolutely. And I wish there'd been more of that when I'd started out, you know, more. Oh, me too. And, and more information because, you know, there was there was really not very much at all. So, yeah, 
it's awesome that everyone now is more open to sharing and helping each other. It's great. Anyway, my, my last question, which I'm really excited to know the answer to now, what is your writer fetish? I hope it's something disgusting. <laughs> it's it's going to sound so average now because I wish I could say it was something classy like, you know, I collect vintage typewriters or something, but I am totally a stationary nerd. I get extremely excited to spend time and money in, in shops like Officeworks or Staples and things like that. I love I love coloured pens and nice pens and biros and pencils and fountain pens and notebooks and <laughs> sticky notes and clips. And You would not believe I have drawers of stationery that I just – I don't even use, but I just – I like to open the drawer and make sure it's there. And, and I'm about to buy a labeler and I'm actually really, really quite excited. So you can judge me now for that, but that's, that's oh, mine. I, I do not judge you. I, I- – share your your pain i'm a stationary nerd too but you know what i like i like getting stationary with my branding on it that's the best yeah i have my brand everything geez it's just crazy i love it love it love it yeah so that's Um, mine that's your fetish Yeah, yeah it wasn't quite as yeah daring as i thought it would be but that's cool I'm sure we'll get more out of you as the podcast continues. Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So this is us, uh, your hot coffee hosts. Um, I hope you feel you know us a little bit better now. If you want to find out more about me, you can head to Kate Toon, that's T-O-O-N, copywriter.com.au. And you can find me at copyrightmatters.com. Well, that's it from us. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Your review will help other copywriters find us. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. Until next time, happy writing. So you're still listening? Great. Because I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, the Recipe for SEO Success Show. Sadly, this one's just me, Kate Toon, but it is packed full of useful, practical, doable SEO tips and advice. You can find it in the iTunes store, on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Just search for The Recipe for SEO Success Show. I don't suck on any weird balls, which I'm not sure. <laughs> I might have to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> that's so many weird balls. That's going to be soundbite. <laughs> awesome.